For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hi guys, how are you? We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. We're going to talk about one Chicago. I have Miranda Ray Mayo from Chicago Fire and Jesse Lee Soffer of Chicago PD. Guys, thanks for coming by. How are you? Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. We're, we're uh, excited to chat with you today again. Season finale. Let's go first with, with uh, Miranda. How excited are you about the season finale? I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see fans' reactions. I think that they are going to go nuts. I don't think that their reactions are, you know, going to be like joyful, happy-go-lucky, but it's going to be really fun and entertaining for me to um, watch. You know, it's like <laughs> tables are flipped, you know? Normally it's them, um, you know, really relishing in, in the pain on screen, and um, I think that's going to be me um, at the end of this. Um, <laughs> absolutely and let's go jesse uh, how about you and you always like when it's kind of like you guys are together as one right if chicago especially a season finale to have that you like that right uh yeah i mean although this year you know our, our uh we didn't do a big crossover uh for the finales we we uh we kind of all did our own thing um, you like being part COVID of it wasn't you like being a team in so many ways all of you together oh of course yeah of course you know we we we, we're we're so fortunate we have we have this huge dick wolf universe to go and play in in chicago it's 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 amazing absolutely absolutely so what should we expect for you for the season finale so you can like uh the finale is going to be very intense for the fans just like miranda said i don't know that they're going to be happy some moments might make them really happy other moments they're going to be like what are you doing to me it's i i I think it's going to be a roller coaster ride um, you know, the team is very divided, uh, Burgess, um, something awful happens to Burgess and, uh, and we're all fighting to get her back. And the way we go about doing it is going to be very different. There's, there's going to be a few members of the team on this side, a few members on this side, and, uh, and it's going to be a huge conflict. And I, and it's, it's kind of one of the first times there's, there's a, a crack in the unit, uh, and I, I don't know if the, the fans are going to be stressed out. That's what I think in a good way. Oh, we'll see. But that's good. Then it keeps them going. And, and that's the fun thing about it, right, Miranda, is you constantly see your fans each season just wanting more and more, right? And then say, oh, my gosh, that season finale. Now I got to wait to next year, you know, next season. And that's the kind of a show that keeps going on and on to be a part of it. It's amazing. 1,000%. It's a very, like, toxic relationship you know what i'm saying like if like if my fans and our fans if the fans were a person and then like <laughs> the one chicago universe was a person it would be you know like we keep hurting really them toxic. but they keep coming back exactly <laughs> that's what shows are supposed to do right now you're maniacally <laughs> exactly. laughing exactly if you don't, you don't, you don't entertain your fans. They don't come back, and then you don't get renewed. Bottom line. So there you go. And if you don't make it so that you can't wait to watch next week, and the competition factors fierce in this industry now, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and, it's a toxic relationship. I think she said it right. Oh, you like that <laughs> one. You like that one. And 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 Jesse, I guess, what would you say to your fans right now? Why they should tune into the season finale? Uh, because it, it is, it's a roller coaster. It's, it's going to be so, um, so intense. It's scary. Uh, Marina Scorciati kills it. She does an incredible job in this episode and everybody does. There's performances. Uh, Ruzek and Atwater have such a conflict. Uh, Halstead and Boyd are going at it. Halstead and Upton have, uh, this huge cliffhanger at the end. Um, and, uh, Tracy Spiridakis has this amazing moment. She killed this scene that we did. Uh, so emotional and heartfelt and um, 
it's just it's it's got everything the episode's going to be really entertaining fantastic and that's what i think the exciting part about it is guys is everyone needs to tune in may 26 9 p.m eastern everyone needs to tune into the episode and one more thing miranda what do you want to say to your fans why they should tune in as well oh my gosh i mean listen it may be a toxic relationship but like it's gonna be so much fun like like a roller coaster you know what i mean it's the stress it's the stress going up going up and then you go you go down it's amazing and you run and you get back in line for more it's gonna be great you know and what, what i hate guys is if we tell anything everyone goes back and binge watches we all binge watch that's all we do nowadays because of covid or in our schedules we don't we never find the time of the day go back but everyone needs to tune this tune in this live but then catch up to all the other episodes at nbc.com right catch up to the whole season absolutely absolutely start from the beginning Exactly. Well, I appreciate you guys stopping by. Thanks again and take care. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're listening to Neil Haley Show and watching the Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show, and I'm really excited to welcome the host of When Women Fly, Sylvia Winter. Sylvia, thanks for stopping by. How are you? Oh, Neil, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. See, when I met you and you first told me you fly, I'm like, and you told me about the podcast, but then you said fly. I started thinking about it. Wow. I remember when I always talk to people that fly or do something so extraordinary it like puts some puts people like standoffish or like wow isn't it like it amazing when you tell people you fly yeah it's a great conversation starter for sure no one wants to talk about anything else once i tell them i'm a pilot yeah because it's like i can't believe you're a pilot really and so how did that story start and then we'll talk about the podcast but i'm just so intrigued i know one pilot in my life and i was working with him and he uh he's an he was a fighter pilot and also he uh um fly, flew for southwest and i just every time yeah. we would co-host and interview people they would always say oh my gosh celebrities amazing people like were like yeah wow factor so that's yeah it's, it's really cool <laughs> yeah so i didn't grow up in a aviation family you know a lot of People have parents or dads that flew, which I didn't. It's just, I always wanted to learn how to fly. And it wasn't my professional pursuit. I'm a landscape architecture by training. Um, so I went into the arts and science and sort of a STEM field. But um, it wasn't actually until I had my second child that I realized that if I didn't start doing this thing that I always wanted to do, that I probably wouldn't do it and wouldn't have a chance to, to try it. So um, I started flying at almost 30 and, um, yeah, I just got the bug. I mean, it was everything that I thought it would be. It was challenging and it really forced me to show up as a pilot in command, which was exhilarating. Um, but it's also just so darn cool. It's just amazing. It's amazing to fly over the land, um, which is ultimately my love is land and um, being able to see it from that perspective is, is really incredible. How do you get a pilot's license? How's that work? Oh, so um, you find a flight school and they're all over the place. There are different types of flight schools, but um, you can like literally Google flight school and there's probably a small airport near you and there's probably a flight school there and you ask them for a discovery flight and they'll take you up and um you can they'll give you the controls for a little bit and you can see how it feels and you go from there what skills do you need to have to be able to do this because there's not lots of uh commercial 
pilots, right? The, the, I mean, a commercial or even uh, the, have a pilot license is not a huge percentage of people in the world. Yeah, is it's it? not a huge percentage of people. And I would say it's one of those things that if you, if anyone, if one wants to do it, they can do it. I mean, the training is challenging. Um, there's certainly some math in there and there's a lot of intuition to be able to fly well and you have to acquire knowledge. Um, but it's reachable for, I would say, any any human being. I mean, we'll talk about the podcast, but one of my recent guests is a woman that was born without arms and she's a pilot. Um, so yeah. anyone can learn how to fly. It might be more or less challenging depending on whatever your strengths and weaknesses are. There are a lot of components that go into flying from reading a map and navigating to um, following some rules <laughs> and making good judgment calls and understanding how to trade power for altitude and things like that but it's all it's all learnable so there has to be some sort you must have had no fear when you <gasps> at all no, oh yes. no 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 really? no no fear is was part of it um fear still is part of it i mean i um i go to the airfield trying to talk myself down from all the ways all the reasons i shouldn't fly um but uh you know it's kind of cool doing things that you're afraid of right? Then you realize like you can do things that you're afraid of. And um, yeah, no, I, I fear was definitely part of it. I mean, less so now than when I was early on um, because I know the procedures and I know I've trained for emergencies, but um, yeah, fear's there. It sounds, I mean, I would be, I mean, I'm not afraid of flying, but always the takeoff and when you go fly somewhere is scary. I mean, cause you just feel that it's, it's, it's not scary, but it's just like a real rush. So I couldn't imagine w with a plane to get in on, to go ahead and take off. And yeah. Like oh yeah. Leaving the earth is a pretty incredible experience. It's kind of addictive too. So I guess what you're saying, a lot of the point of entry of people not doing it is fear. I bet you, because again, when you, you crash a car, the chances compared to an airplane, a little different right? Especially. And so, you know, if you do crash like a car, you might survive, but the chances of survival of a plane crash is completely different, right? Yeah. It's a bad day to have a plane crash for sure. Um, but if you really do look at the numbers, driving is actually pretty dangerous. And um, there are very clear ways that you can reduce your risk while flying, um, being current, being well-trained, practicing a lot, um, following the rules. Um, so yes, there, it is less forgiving falling from the sky, but, um, there are a lot of ways to mitigate that risk. And I would say even more than driving when you're, you know, at the whims of the other people that you're driving with. Sure. There's no one in the, you have certain people that could be in the air, but that's the job of the air traffic controller to make sure that you don't end up hitting some other plane. It's more yeah. about keeping the controls, navigating where you need to go. It's in a way, flying is a lot like a ship in the old days, right? Especially navigating through those certain things. You you have certain control, but you really don't have certain control flying, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just like you have to hold both sort of the precision and being very calculated with also the sense of being nimble and being very um, sort of in tune with the changing factors, the variables, because it's very dynamic situation, right? So, um, yeah, that is the same in that way, similar. All right. So let's kind of talk about why the podcast, and I love the title when women fly, because again, we can think about, it's just going to be about women flying, but really it's about women who are taking, and let, let's hear you give us that explanation. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm happy to. So When Women Fly is a podcast that celebrates the spirit of flight. And I use flight as a metaphor. Um, and we talk about it literally and metaphorically when I speak with my guests. So I have women, it's an interview format. I have women every week come and tell their journey through their op the obstacles, the, the challenges that they needed to overcome. Um, we talk a lot about dismantling fear, not necessarily uh, overcoming it, but almost like sort of sitting with it and living with it. And essentially like how these women navigate a world 
that is often male dominated, that um, is following a way that's following their passion, following their intuition and um, sort of reaching beyond expectations or perceived limitations. So I do interview pilots, but often my guests are pilots and other things, or maybe not even pilots at all. It might be ski jumpers or trapeze artists or um, runners. You know, I, I try to really um, listen when I'm doing my research for my guests to hear for people that talk about, oh, I was flying or right. um, like, yeah, I'll hear runners be like, you know, I was flying or trapeze artists like or skiers. Um, so whenever I hear that, I'm like, okay, this guest, this is a potential person that knows that feeling of leaving the sort of the, the leaving gravity in one way or another. And again, metaphorically or figuratively. Um, so yeah, so it's really about that spirit of flight because I feel like it's, it, it wasn't intended to be a podcast about women who fly, which would be a different podcast, very compelling, I'm sure. But it was really about sort of the phenomenon that happens when women are able to overcome those perceived limitations. And that's the problem. A lot of times we look, we have preconceived notions of what women can do and not do it. It starts in school. Okay, women are better reading in English and boys are better, and girls and boys, I mean, boys and men are better at math and science. So it already starts that process where we talk about as babies, okay, you're playing with dolls while you're going to play with trucks. And that's just not a good way of really allowing people to find themselves, especially knowing that, guess what, you can do anything you want. I uh, talked to Michelle Snow for Podcast Magazine Review, and she basically set the boundaries so high for herself. Okay, she was in a, grew up in a poor family. I'm going to get 17 scholarships. She ended up with 150 athletic and academic scholarships. She was the first woman to dunk in a college basketball game. That is the uh, pro, that is what we talk about. In your of your guests to do something just so amazing uh yeah. that you know wow you know no one would think that uh, and at the time i know that in sports we never thought that women were going to dunk a basketball right we never knew that women could be better than men in certain things and the obstacles are being broken and, and breaking right through that glass ceiling and that's such a important thing and i think that's what your podcast is trying to do yeah it is it is and you know it certainly is targeted for women who are overcoming perceived limitations, but right. All humans do. Right. And I think the more we can break down in general, the gendered activities and the sort of the conditions that create limitations on, on all humans, I think we're all going to be better off because if we can all sort of be all that we can be, for our own, our own version of that, then, then we're bound to be better off rather than feeling like we're, we're pigeonholed or we're boxed in in some way. It's a great exercise. I think that, that we miss out and this would be a great thing for anyone to listen to because sometimes they just have that bias that they don't think it can happen. And we need to be able to tell little girls, you can do whatever you want. We're not going to give you limitations. And I think that's what this show is doing. Absolutely. And that there's a support network out there. So if you don't get that positive feedback in your immediate environment, you know, come to us, we're here. Um, and there, there's a lot of positive mentorship and um, just support for, for young girls and, and older women. I mean, women that are in their middle age have never often really spoken from their own heart or, you know, lived a life that was their own. And, and I think that's also a really amazing time to, to start unlocking that level of authenticity and, and sort of free spirit. You have that goal of creating a community so you can, this becomes a movement, right? Yeah. What you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hope. And it's going to happen. So you put it's it in happen. your mind, it's going to happen. Yeah. It, it is happening. Right, right? It, it is, is happening. happening. I mean, it's I know the podcast already yeah. because you're, yeah transforming stories that are just not told all the time. And that's I right. think that that's fantastic. Where can people check out the podcast? Where can they go? So on all your favorite podcast platforms, um, we uh, push the podcast out on Thursday mornings, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
we also have a website, whenwomenfly.com. And um, you can also send out an email to hello at whenwomenfly.com. The movement continues to grow and that's a tremendous thing. And I think that just we have to understand in so many ways that we should never limit anyone from doing anything that they want to do. And I think that diversity is such an important part of this of the conversation, but also to understand that we can never tell people they can't. It's they can. And if we can tell everyone you can and not give them that roadblock, wow, the, 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 the things that can happen are just tremendous. So I appreciate you coming by. Thanks so much, Neil. I appreciate it. All right. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Please listen to the Forletta podcast. Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few, Pablo Escobar, Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, aka El Chapo, and other related real-life crime stories such as Waco. more information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the COVID-19 Vaccine Show, and I'm excited to welcome the program Dr. Mark Hay. And Dr. Mark, what's going on? How are you? Doing great. Um, live and well on this Monday morning. I have to thank God for all my blessings. Absolutely. And so let's kind of go the latest news on the vaccine and what's what's new now. OK, uh, you're seeing that enormous numbers of the traditional intramuscular. But there is a very strong public popular reaction in most countries a lot of times not to accept it. The intramuscular vaccines, as we know, were oftentimes accompanied by fever, chills, muscle aches, soreness. Some people would have more severe reactions. Now, in certain countries, the deaths were associated with, with intramuscular vaccines. You know, there was AstraZeneca, and it wasn't real popular in the U.S., and it wasn't made in the U.S., uh, and in France, uh, AstraZeneca supposedly had better, lower death numbers than, than Pfizer. Uh, I think Pfizer uh, in France was attributed to, it depends on who you look at, but, but there were a number of deaths. And, and what people... It didn't like being sick. Remember, these, these vaccines were not prescribed by physicians. One of the things they did was they didn't get physicians involved. So a physician could not explain what the side effects would be, what side effects were bad. And one of the things that happened was when people got vaccines in the United States and around the world, they, they basically were told, if you get a little sick, just live with it. One of the things that means is a lot of people had weird reactions, a lot. But guess what? Your doctor doesn't want to see you. He didn't prescribe it. It's not his problem. Furthermore, because the doctor didn't prescribe it, the doctor's not an idiot. He knows that if he comes out as being an anti-vaxxer, that could hurt his career. He doesn't want to investigate. The CDC and the central planning authorities really designed the information so that they would control the information stream. Meaning that if you got a vaccine and you had a problem, First, you reported it to the manufacturer. They had a system where you forward to the manufacturer. Then it went to the CDC. Guess what? The information was never really funneled out and made public. So there's not a Facebook page for, hey, I had my reactions to the vaccine. You won't see that on Facebook. What you'll see is all these promotions designed to get you to wear face masks and get vaccinated. But if you're going to, if we believe in an open and public discourse on issues, then why aren't you allowed to have a Facebook page where everybody can report their side effects? So what happened is, in those people that were having 
unpleasant reactions, symptoms after being vaccinated. There was a lot of weird things going on. Should there be weird things? Yes. You know, when you're producing a spike protein in your body that your body's never seen before from an intramuscular vaccine, is there a chance that your body might not like it? You know, yeah. I mean, you can't really blame your body for not liking the spike protein if it's never met it before and you're right. injecting it right. into your tissues. And so one of the things that sh began to show up was you know, a lot of the men, young men are not taught not to be wimps, sissies. I mean, for, you know, we're, we're being a little bit candid, but we're, we're, they're generally, and I mean, we in, encourage, we accept people that are transgender, uh, all sexually confused or whatever, whatever they want to be is fine. Uh, however, there was a lot of young men that had symptoms that they never reported. It's not easy to report a symptoms, but what happened was some cardiologists began to note that people that had been vaccinated, young men, by the hundreds after the second shot, began to develop uh, cardiac problems. Now to really be determined that you had a cardiac problem, you probably would have had to either go to the emergency room or you would have had to go to the, uh, see your cardiologist. Well, young men don't see a cardiologist. Old men see cardiologists, right? Yes. So the actual number of men that got reported that were actually having heart problems is far, far greater than what actually got reported. But it was always planned to be that way. Big Pharma always wanted to control the data. CDC always wanted to control the data. And this is what you get, get when you have a centrally run, centrally planned vaccine program that is compromised because the people at the top get to make money off their relationships with big pharma. Yeah. So we don't know how many young men actually had cardiac problems. Plus, here's what also happened. If young men were having cardiac problems and some cardiac reactions, isn't it likely that older men were? Probably. But guess what? If you were an older man, what they would say, well, that's your heart disease. That's because you have too much fat in your diet. You have, your, you have too many lipids in your diet. So if you had a heart problem with it, they blew that off as saying, oh, guess what? That's just, you know, you, you got heart disease. You eat too many uh, French fries and, and, and so on. Did What were the symptoms of, uh, of uh, cardiac my myopathy? And pericarditis, some of the symptoms can be fatigue. Was it fatigue one of the main side effects? So wrapped in fatigue were all these complex autoimmune reactions that were going on in the general public. We did not understand many of them. We comprehend many of them. And they were occurring at a time in which physicians were really disabled from seeing their patients because it's the middle of a pandemic. Excuse me. Are you going to get your vaccine and then call your doctor up and say, two days ago, uh, I had a vaccine and I'm having, feeling weird and strange and I'm fatigued and I'm tired and I want you to figure it out. The doctor's response is, I didn't prescribe it for you. I'm not going to bat for you. I'm not figuring out. I don't have the responsibility. It's not my, I have no skin in that game. And yet now, even despite all that, these Freak store. Well, I shouldn't use the term freak because I now get blamed for using the word freak. It was obvious that when all these young men that were very young began to uh, develop cardiac problems, it was clearly obviously related to the second shot. And it was related to the second shot because on the second shot, you were becoming more sensitized to the protein. So there were fractions of the community that were having higher sensitivity. It is predictable that if you gave these, the general population a third shot, a fourth shot, a fifth shot of Moderna, that, that number of people having negative reactions would keep going up. Wow. As I said on this program, intramuscular shots can hypersensitize you to what you're shooting into your system. That's not, you know, I think we've known that for a long time. In fact, have you ever had flu shots when you're uh, allergy I, shots? When you I, were never, I never took a flu shot in my life. 
I never had a flu Look, shot. I, I, I actually had just god-awful allergy shots. And one of the things when you're giving out allergy shots and you're shooting them in, in, in little kids, you had to make sure they didn't have an anaphylactic reaction. Mm-hmm. So there was a risk that people can be sensitized to certain things when they get things intramuscular. So, ten, so tetanus, did, tetanus shots in the intramuscular, right? Yes, tetanus shot is intramuscular. Yeah, it's an IM. But, you know, we get those as children and we get them phased in and we have life, very, very good long-term protection with tetanus. We're seeing now that a lot of the protection from the intramuscular shots is very short-term, aren't we? Yes. And, you know, basically what you're seeing is this is going to try to turn into like a yearly flu, instead of flu, a yearly COVID vaccine that is intramuscular. Right. That is not going to work out very well, is it? That's not what you signed on. No. You know, all these people in the United States, something like 30, 40, 50 percent of the people had at least one vaccination. And those people, when they were getting their vaccination, were not told, guess how long the immunity would last. They weren't told that if, if they had fatigue, their fatigue might be signs of other autoimmune reactions going on in their body. They weren't actually, they weren't given any guarantee. They weren't given, what were they given? Nothing, except be a member of the team. Be, go for America, watch your commercials. Big, big, be a member of the team. And you're also told if you're a health professional, if you have, if your ideas, if you dissent, if you don't agree, if you don't just say yes, that your career, your life, your, your future is threatened. That's why there was so little dissent. And this is what you get. That you get a choice with very few options. And that's not, that's not the road to progress. The road to progress is open debate, discussion. And if you, ha- there are things in life where you need central planning, okay? I agree. You know, one of the reasons why the Chinese government has done well on some huge infrastructure projects, they had a lot of central planning commissions. But when they have central planning, you're not allowed to take bribery. They prosecuted 600,000 public employees for corruption in the last decade in China. We don't do that in the United States. We don't, uh, we don't hang corrupt bankers or people for white collar crime. We, we wink and we smile when the people that are in industry serve big business, whether it's in the interest of the people or not. So we don't have one of the disadvantages in Western society is that it's baked in the cake that the people making the decisions got to make the decisions because they serve big, big business. And really, many of our healthcare decisions are determined by big business. They're not determined by the needs of the people. You know, what people need, what society needs is open, frank discussions by their intelligent people. Um, One of the things that uh, Elon Musk pointed out, the strength of the United States in the past has been that it had welcomed innovation. Have you seen a lot of innovation in the United States regarding immunizations? Yes, we did. We saw two experimental vaccines, mRNAs, that were approved. Wow, yeah. Now we're starting to see the side effects of Is that wrong? No. No. I think it's wonderful to learn from mRNA. There's going to be lots of interesting applications for them. I think it's, it's, it's wonderful to try new things. But you have to tell people, and you should be trying many new things, not just the new things that make billions of dollars for big pharma. Right. Okay. That's, so Dr. That shouldn't be the case. So, so, so Dr. So Mark, right now, what, if, so, so what's now? What's the news release about? Okay, look, here's our, our current news release. The Vaxart program is moving forward. Now, here's the problem I have with Vaxart. I invested actually in Vaxart and bought some of their stock last, I think it was December. They are continuing to use a adenovirus vector instead of using the live attenuated coronavirus vaccine. Uh Vaxart could use, we know 
from basic information. And when you look at any uh, COVID studies worldwide, that about 170 million people, give or take, at least had test positives that were positive for coronavirus. Right. The truth is for every one person who had a positive test, there were anywhere from three to 10 or 15 people who had exposure to that vaccine. So in some areas, there were massive exposures to coronavirus that were never recorded and never reported. So for lack of a better term, no, I need to be respectful to the people of Alabama, so I won't use any derogatory terms on them. You know, Alabama was very skeptical. The people in the state of Alabama were very skeptical of getting vaccines because they basically didn't like Hillary or, or, or the right. whole, yeah, I mean, that they just didn't buy into the whole pie, okay? And so the vaccine rate was very low in Alabama. And in fact, less than I think uh, 30% or 35% had both shots. And yet in Alabama, we don't see it ripping through here. The reason it's not ripping through is right now is that many of the people already had low level exposure when the coronavirus was in a less toxic form. So a lot of the people have already had coronavirus exposure to the spike protein and to the end protein because it grew in their intestines. And you know, guess what? These issues about growing in the intestine, they were out last year. We talked about them on this show. Has the US government responded in a semi-intelligent way and said, we need to study how it grows, how coronavirus grows in your gut? I haven't seen it. Right. I haven't seen any exactly. human studies. Not at all. So, so this Not one here all. saying, when's the Vaxart coming out? So what's the... Okay, so Vaxart is probably going to be out with their oral agent, oral pill that you can take by the end of the year. Okay. Many of the people are going to say, hey, guess what? I knew somebody who got sick when they took the IM kind. I'm going to wait till the, till the oral kind is out. Uh, if you look at, we, we covered on this show, Codagenics, which was the live attenuated nasal right. spray that is coming out in India. I have not seen what their phase one study is. I suspect it will not be near as good as if Codagenics made an oral encapsulated live virus. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that's going on with a lot of these people is they're aware of the arguments. Certainly, they can't be so stupid that they're not aware of the arguments that you just give people an oral live attenuated vaccine. They think incorrectly that because you take an oral live attenuated vaccine, that that means that you're going to spread that virus or in enhance the number of mutants. They may mistakenly believe that. That's a mistaken belief. When you take it orally, it grows in your intestines. It doesn't grow in your lungs. You don't promote respiratory mutants. Okay. So there is that argument that, hey, oh, guess what? If you give somebody a live vaccine, uh, a live oral COVID, they're going to suddenly yes. exhale it no, and spread it. Right, it's right, it's right. crap. Okay, That's, so so Vaxart's coming out in the U.S. What, what month do you think? They're they're already doing their their phase studies, and one of the things is that Vaxart says on their recent phase study in May is here's what they said. Okay, hold on, let's see. Vaxart said our vaccine's immune response appears very different than that seen from the leading injectables. No kidding. Didn't we say that about a year ago? Mucosal antibodies rather than serum antibodies and more potent T-cell responses. What this means is, it's just like we told you last year. When you have a mucosal antibodies, that's what protects you from transmitting the disease. Right, exactly. We knew that when people have natural COVID infections, whether they're pulmonary or intestinal, whether they're acquired through the food, or whether they're acquired through the lungs, that within generally 99% of the time, within 10 days, they are not transmissible. That is the fastest way. We also knew that when the injectable vaccines came out, uh, uh, Pfizer and Moderna, that you had to have your second round about 30 days later before you stopped being transmissible. So if you were going to be around somebody, if you were around somebody who had already had the virus uh, two weeks ago, you are far safer than being around somebody 
who had just had their Moderna and, and Pfizer exactly. vaccine All right. a month ago. So yes. the other news, Dr. Marquez, you have another news. Really. The, the other news is, you know, Oramed is now coming out with a, um, uh, an oral vaccine, okay. which is made up of apparently a uh, easier to distribute because it's in a normal refrigerated, normal room temperature ease. And one, and here's what they're saying at Oramed. While ease of administration is critical today to accelerate inoculation rates, an oral vaccine could become even more valuable in the case that COVID-19 may become recommended annually like the standard flu shot. Do you see those words yeah. right on that yeah. screen? Yeah, so where's women's Oravax coming out of theirs? You know, they'll be at, uh, coming out before the end of the year as well. In okay. the U.S.? Uh, uh, they will probably have... Once it gets in one country, the oral will take off. So, so is the live virus? Do they have a does Orvax have a live virus? No, this is going to be this is going to be just individual targets. I think this is not using a live virus or attenuated. I think it's just using parts of it that has probably been in an adenovirus. I believe it's going to probably be something like uh, Vaxart. It, it, it's going to be the Israeli form of Vaxart. Okay. That's, I, I guess that's, that's a, a way of, of spinning it. Now, this other thing below here, we talked about how people that had symptoms with the IM, guess what? A lot of those people, they're not going to go back and get repeat shots. So those IM shots are going to be harder and harder to sell in the future. Right. I mean, that's the reality. And now we're going to have, Let's talk about how we really learn. And that is with real live human challenge tests. We knew people in our community were going to be exposed to COVID. In fact, they predicted you could follow it on a map, like 10, 20, 30% of the population was getting COVID. We weren't out testing the stools of people that were asymptomatic. So we don't know how many of those people had growth in their intestines so when they have it, so if you have you have COVID once the chance of getting a second time is very few right yes and in fact what here's what you're going to look see here's my prediction the people that had natural infections that they are confirmed with that is a positive PCR those people are going to have by far the best immunity compared to any of the IM shots correct the problem is those people that inhaled it had a much higher risk profile than those people who took it who accidentally had it on their food interesting so what's yeah, the percent chance what's what, what are they saying the percent chance of getting covered the second time it, 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 i would say i haven't seen any new cases if the initial natural infections did not protect you would be seeing a huge waves throughout america right now so Especially the america you only got 50 percent vaccinated the wave would come back are we seeing a wave Absolutely. or we don't, you don't expect a wave at all? Here's what I expect. I expect that by this late this fall, much of the protection that was done by Pfizer and Moderna, those people who, who solely had Pfizer and Moderna, those people's immunity will wane worse than the people who actually had a regular COVID infection. And so that you will see later this fall you'll see a whole new coronavirus roll, roll whole through. Spike, a spike and it will like, largely, right. yeah, it's like largely going to hit the Like the flu, that, like the flu. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Oh my God. And if, you, if you've had any exposure at all, coronavirus in this world is likely by far here to stay. So it's your choice to choose the, the path of protection that is safest, that has the least amount of side effects. And and guess what? If you think big industry is going to make that decision for you, uh, that's wishful thinking. You right. have to educate yourself. You have to be a learned person. And, and there is the common sense of common men is not is a wonderful thing. People should be skeptical of Western governments. They should be skeptical of the mm -hmm. WHO and CDC. All right. right. Okay, so... You always close out. Is there anything more out of news or is that the news right there? I think it's huge. You know, I think that that is the news for today. And um, the 
and the real the take home message today is like is is very similar to our take home message every time. If you're alive today, it's because God has a purpose in your life. You do don't live your life in fear. Don't jump just because when other people say they're going to save you, roll your eyes because they're probably not. And what you can ask for is learn all you can study across, get your information from around the world, not just a few corporate media sources. Open your ears, open your heart, listen to people, and then make choices that are best for you and your family. You take care and have a wonderful time, and it's been good talk. Neil, you have a great day. Make every day count. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Mark, take care. That was the COVID-19 vaccine show. Take care, guys. Hey guys, welcome to your beautiful day on the Gratitude Radio Network. I'm your host, Jen Mogg, Mother of Gratitude. And today we have with us Neil Haley. Hey, Neil. Hey, what's going on, Jen? Uh, this topic interests me tremendously because of me and how I'm so into technology. And yet we see where we're going and it's just like, why? I'm excited at how we're opening things up again. We're getting back to face-to-face. I cannot wait. I'm, I got a physical office that I launched July 1st. And so I'm, this is interesting. We bring up this conversation because we still are going to live this way. I don't even physically have to leave that office ever and find clients, find connections, everything just in the online world. So introduce our guest. I'll introduce our guest, but I wanted to tell you, Jen, thanks again. And so I'm excited to welcome PJ Manny. And PJ is the author of Con Science. And PJ really tries to connect something I think is so important. Good. Conscience. It's called conscience. Oh. 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 You want to go with that as a joke or not? See, because I would have <laughs> thought it. What would you say? Because con science, because I see the parentheses. Conscience. Conscience. The, the, three, the three books, even though they have parentheses, are revolution, identity, and conscience. Really? We're expanding our consciousness through technology and bringing humanity's, you know, vibration up. Wow. So, so even though it says it that way, that's really conscience. See, but see how the people could. Get... You're opening up your conscious right now. Just yeah, saying. exactly. So it's welcome, PJ. So I love this because that's the way. Because you look at see as a marketer, I look at the parentheses. I would say that first, but it also is a. There's a reason you did that too, right? Or not? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All, all the titles have the parentheses, so it's either revolution or evolution, or evol- mm-hmm. our evolution. Identity is ID entity. So it's the idea of your ID or your also your id and we're, that we're actually just entities that, you know, we move beyond being human into this idea of, of being a persona or an entity. And then with conscience, it's the idea of the con science being against science, uh, but also the idea that the villains and also some of the protagonists uh, throughout the story are pe- perpetrating cons like con artistry. Uh, you know, everyone's trying to pretend to be something they're not. They're, they're lying to people. They're, you know, oh, this- you're hitting such a chord yeah. this morning, this afternoon. My gosh, PJ, when I bring up clubhouse, have you been on clubhouse yet, PJ? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. This book should be handed out in every room to see the <laughs> lies that are perpetrated on that app. They say who they say they are when they really aren't. I at least am a national syndicated radio and TV host uh, uh, and a category director for Podcast Magazine. When you see these people highlight their co- accomplishments, you're like, well, why when we look you up online, those aren't the accomplishments. And that is exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Playing that con and using science to do it. So uh, that's exactly. a, great, a great thought process. Why did you write that book? Tell me. Because I see what's coming. Um, It's the intersection of artificial intelligence, uh, robotics, nanotechnology, and communications technologies. This idea that we can start to create virtual realities, that we can inhabit spaces that aren't in, don't actually exist. And we become people that don't actually exist. So, just back to your clubhouse analogy here we are in this virtual space we have no bodies in clubhouse we're just voices and we're just a little bit of the tag of whatever it is that we've sold ourselves as right right and from that we can create any reality we want 
And unfortunately, people are using those fake realities to convince other people that they're not who they are. And so I wrote these books because I wanted to have a fun way of telling a fun, action-filled roller coaster story where we get to see all the ramifications of these new technologies. Because what happens with technology is that we get a new technology and it's morally neutral. Right. Swords and plowshares, you know, we can take any technology and make it a really good healing thing. Like the technologies in my book are brain computer interfaces and various forms of artificial intelligence, but they can be weaponized. Yeah. And we're living in a society where we don't really get that yet. We understand it maybe a little bit, but people haven't taken that in as a reality that we're going to start to need to deal with at the level of a whole society. So, you know, how do we legislate against that? How do exactly. we have social structures that that inhibit that kind of behavior? You know, what are these things going to do and, and how does it either build a culture or tear it apart? Exactly, and not just that, I mean, keeping our humanity. That's exactly right. And the core of everything. I mean, nobody walks, I mean, I go around room to room and I'm all of a sudden going, why am I still holding my phone? <laughs> right, right. I can't take my dog out in the backyard unless I have my phone with me. And I don't even know, I was thinking today on the back porch, how did this even happen? How did we get to this far? Before it was like when we had our phones, a portable phone, it was great, but we left it and we still went out and did what we were doing now we're so involved in it what is it going to look like for my kids i mean you're seeing people get the implants in their hands to open up the doors the car all of their information is in the vials in their hands so they can do everything like it's magic but how do we get to be back to the flesh and bones that we are and expanding our consciousness versus shaping our reality to be something that's really easy that we don't have to think about and then we forget how to do it well, it's interesting because convenience is the lead in. The lead in. It's 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 the devil in the details. You know, we, 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 you know, we we think we think that this is such a convenient thing to have, yes. but we don't look down the line at the consequences and often the unintended consequences. Because I can promise you, knowing many of these people, because I work and am friends with so many people in Silicon Valley and the tech industries, they don't think about the smart houses where you've got your RFID implant, you know, and you walk in and it opens your door and it answers your phone. <laughs> they don't think of these as anything, but isn't this cool? Like isn't it fun? I, I can do it. They don't think if they should do it. They just wonder if they can do it. Mm -hmm. And the bigger issue becomes the unintended consequences. So what happens when you have a completely smart house? Now, I'm someone who writes about technology all the time. I know technologists. I'm embedded in the thing. I have the dumbest house on earth. And that's for a reason. <laughs> I have the dumbest house on earth because, first of all, we lose our electricity in California all the time. Right. I don't want a house that is dependent on a generator. Uh, I, if I want to be able to lift my blinds, I want to be able to lift my blinds and not need something that's electric to do it. Um, but beyond that, it's nobody's business what goes on either in my house or in anybody else's house. That's just data that's being accrued. And that data can be used either by marketers or it can be used by governments. And you have no concept of how much data is out there That's that they crazy. know about you. Like to me, the world's worst items would be something that's listening in my house for my orders. Right. That's right. crazy because they say they don't keep the data. That's not true. They've been using the data to study voice recognition. So why would I do that? That's so true. And the problem we deal with is they record all our stuff. So if we could be talking to something on the tel a cell phone about something, you get the ad 30 minutes later, an hour later, two hours later. That's correct. Even even the, com in the conversation on Zoom or wherever, I don't know how they do it. I guess they record it and then it ends up in an ad. So it kind of- Some of it is not as nefarious as, as you think. Some of it is, is well, he, uh, let me, 
So let's say we're having Zoom right now, right? And I may get an ad an hour from now for the Neil Haley show. But really, it has my email. That's where they've got my data. So it's not that they're necessarily, like Zoom isn't necessarily listening right now. They might be. They are. But we put that data in so many other places that we don't even realize. See, but I'll give you an example, PJ, and I'm going to let Jen ask the next question. So I'll talk about specific certain technology with somebody on the cell phone and then that say, and think I'm looking to do this without sending emails, without visiting websites. And it ends up in, a, in an ad in Facebook the next day. Is your Facebook app open? Yes. There you go. So actually it's Facebook that's doing the listening. Face, so what do you mean? So you don't recommend having an app for Facebook? No, I'm just saying that that when you have apps open, that's just one more way that they can collect data. So you just keep the app closed. Don't don't. So, for instance, you know, I can probably show you on my own phone. If on your own phone, you're going to have a bunch of things that are open at any given time. So if if you have those things open, just. Close oh, them. that's not. So that's why it's open. I keep all my apps open. So, wow. So you're telling me the app listens. Yeah, all the it's possible. It's possible. Do I work for Facebook? No. Do I have a hundred percent knowledge of this? No. Do they lie all the time? Yes. yes. <laughs> so all everybody does because they don't want you to know exactly. First of all, they don't want other companies to know their proprietary information, but more importantly, they don't want people to feel uncomfortable with these products that they're putting into our lives, and. I understand that, but by the same token, I also wish people understood the extent to which they are sharing their lives. Now, some people have no problem with this and that's okay. That's their choice. My choice is different. Yeah. Absolutely. And here's the weird thing is I was at the doctor's office and it's, it's, it's more of a, a weight loss type of place that I'm looking into all these new technology and lights and the whole nine yards. And I can say to, to Siri, no, Alexa, Alexa, play that song in here. And it will stop it throughout the entire office and play it specifically in the patient room, mine. So then I have to go, yeah, yeah. It, it listens wow. to my voice and it shuts everything else off and Alexa's, and I don't even have an Alexa. So it's, it's not the voice recognition. I don't even know where it is now because now they're all getting frustrated because now it's listening to me. I'm like, I, I actually don't, I don't know how people do it without that. You know, we are each other's cheerleaders. We're each other's goads. <laughs> we're each other's support system. And we've been able to accomplish so much because we are this incredible positive force in each other's lives. And I mean, that to me is everything. That's great. That's a fantastic way to say it for sure. All right, Jen, so get ready to close out PJ. But whoa, I just love this conversation. Show off the jump on Clubhouse with a conversation like that, because I tell you, that would interest people if I brought you out at a stage and just started. Anytime, Neil. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, my goodness. How much fun. And and it's so this this conversation is one that we're going to have 40 years, 50 years, 100 years from now. In space. In space, Jen. In In space. space. In space. Oh, we'll be like like um, the Jetsons by then, right? No, space is about 10 years away, Jen. Be ready. Yeah, and it is. That's actually my what, what I'm writing next. Oh, you have to, I have a yeah. connect you to my business partner, and she's trying to get me into the space technology. So I'll connect you cool. guys. I love that. Well, thank you all for listening to us today on your beautiful day at the Gratitude Radio Network. We've been listening to PJ Manning. Her book is Conscience. She's an author, futurist, consultant for various organizations about the future of humanity and technology. And I am so thankful and honored to have you on our show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much. It's been a lot of fun. It has, except me following up the name of the book. So that's okay. But I thought it was perfect. I think <laughs> it's perfect. You're the only one. <laughs> no, that's the perfect. But I'm going to keep it. I'm not editing that out. That's Good, the perfect excellent. way. Because we didn't like do ums and ahs. We just had a fun conversation. And that's what Jen and I do. So go ahead, close it out, Jen. Yeah. You're our Tigger. You're the only one. (laughs) Go ahead, Jen. 
I love it. I love it. Well, wherever you go today, take empathy with you, take love with you, take gratitude with you for your own life, download it from heaven and send it out. And remember that you're blessed, you are loved, and you are sacred. Mwah. We love you. Thank you so much, PJ. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. You guys take care. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.